So we've been learning about the life of Jesus Christ. And we began last week at the beginning of Jesus' life, which was when he was born. And we learned that the birth of Jesus Christ was a very humble birth. Usually when you think of God coming to earth, you think of like a mighty uh, person with like a, a cape behind them and lightning in their hands and they go, hello world, I am God. But God came into the world and he was like, <laughs> and he was a baby, right? And he came into the world with a cry and he came in as this cute little baby with little fingers and little toes. And you know, you, you see that walking into the world and he came into the world into a poor family he came in, he was born actually in what we think was probably a barn or a stable. And on top of that, he was put into, not a crib, but into a food trough of animals where there's probably spit and like leftover chewed food from cows. And this is how God chose to come to the earth because he wanted to set a tone for his ministry and also set an example for us to be humble and to be servants. So he came to the world as a servant. On top of that, though, what I want us to think about this week is, is that Jesus did not stay a baby. Though he was God come to earth and he came as a baby, he didn't stay as a baby. He did what all of us do. He grew up. He matured. He got older. But, but he started out as a baby and, you know, he was like a normal baby. He had stinky diapers. You know, he needed to be burped after he was fed. And, you know, they had to... Uh, you know, he had to be burped, okay? And, and he sometimes, uh, you know, had to, actually not sometimes, he had to be taken care of, but then he got older. He became a toddler. But think about how cool that would be that, that God had a moment where he took his first steps on earth. Little, little baby Jesus is up and he's like, uh, 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 oh, and he falls over and he falls and his mom and dad are like, very good, Jesus. I mean, that, that took place. Think about that. He took his first steps and then toddler Jesus is walking around and he's like running around and he's got this big grin on his face and maybe he said, mama or dada. For the first time, Jesus spoke and maybe it was like church or Bible. I don't know what his first word was. But he spoke for the first time, and he matured in the words that he used. He got older. And then he went from a toddler, and he got a little older, maybe in elementary school age. And maybe he went to school for the first time. And he learned his Hebrew, and he learned his history. And, and he, he began to, you know, make friends for the first time. He, he made friends. I mean, imagine being on the playground, and it's like, Hi, what's your name? My name's Johnny. What's your name? I'm Jesus. <laughs> Jesus, that's an interesting. Oh, cool. Anything cool about you? Well, um, here's a puddle. I can just walk on top of it. I walk on water. It's kind of a thing I do. It's pretty cool. Whoa! I mean, that would be awesome to, to have that. Although, I would say this. We do know that Jesus had brothers and sisters. Or, or we, we know at least they had brothers, possibly sisters, who were younger than him because he was the oldest. And, and I feel like it would be hard growing up with Jesus if you were one of his brothers. Like, I feel like that would be a challenge. Like, you know, mom comes in there. Mary comes in. Guys... Who ate a piece of the pumpkin pie that was sitting on the counter? I told you not to. And you know, one of you can't be like, it was Jesus. He's God, okay? He's perfect. We know it wasn't Jesus. He's never lied once, okay? I'm looking at you, James. It wasn't me. I mean, like, it would be hard, you know? Like, it just kind of get irritating. But there might be some perks, too. You know, maybe you're on the playground and you're playing and it starts to rain during your football game, you're like, oh, man. And Jesus like, no, it's okay. I, I specialize in storms. Be gone! And the storm just parts, you know? That'd be kind of nice. I don't, 
We don't know exactly what his childhood looked like, but what we do know is we get a glimpse into what Jesus' life looked like when he was at a very important age, when he was your age. We get a look at a story of Jesus' life when he was 12 years old. He was in middle school, if you will. And so let's read about this story of Jesus' life here in uh, chapter 2, verse 41. Read along with me. Starts off and it says, Every year his parents went to Jerusalem for the feast of the Passover. And when he was 12 years old, he went up to the feast according to the custom. After the feast was over, while his parents were returning home, the boy, Jesus, stayed behind in Jerusalem, but they were unaware of it. Thinking he was in their company, they traveled on for a day. Then they began to look for him among their relatives and friends. When they did not find him, they went back to Jerusalem to look for him. Pause there for a second. How many of you guys have seen one of the Home Alone movies? Anybody seen that? Okay, cool. So most of you guys, okay. So if you haven't seen it, it's basically a movie where uh, a kid's parents leave him at home and go on a family vacation. And the kid's home alone. That's where they get the movie name, Home Alone. Anyway, moving on. So Jesus is here, okay. He's going on a family vacation. And they're, they're going to celebrate Passover. It'd be like kind of they're going to celebrate Thanksgiving, if you will. And they're thankful that God brought the Israelites out of captivity, so they're remembering it through this Passover feast. So they're on their way to Jerusalem. They don't carpool. They probably like camel pool or donkey pool. I don't know how they call it. Okay, and they're on their way down to Jerusalem, and they arrive, and they're with, you know, aunts and uncles and friends from maybe their neighborhood, and they have a great time in Jerusalem. They have the feast. They go to the temple. They enjoy themselves, and then they decide to go home. And just like in Home Alone, like, you know, the dad, Joseph, is probably thinking, oh, I bet Mary has Jesus. Like, she's taking care of him. And Mary's over here thinking, well, I bet Jesus is, you know, with Joseph. Like, he's got it taken care of. And so they start going home in this caravan, and it's a big group. It's not like they just look in the back of the van and realize he's gone. So this big group, and they're going. And one day, Mary and Joseph maybe bump into each other and go, hey, have you seen, um, you know, our, our son, Jesus? And No, I thought he was with you. No, he's not. Is he with you? No, I thought he was with you. Oh, no. Like, this is bad, okay? So they start going around their little convoy, like, hey, have you guys seen Jesus, about, like, 12 years old, this tall uh, son of God? Like, have you seen him? Like, I'm looking for him. And they're like, no. And so they're looking all around, and they can't find him. They go back to Jerusalem, and it says that for three days they looked for Jesus, and they couldn't find him. Imagine being a parent, and you lose your kid. But even worse, imagine being a parent, and you lose your kid, and your kid is God. You lost God. How do you do that? How do you do that? They lost him, okay? They're probably like, oh, man, his dad is not going to be happy about this. Like, this is not a good situation here. We literally lost the son of God, the Savior of the world. Is the world doomed? We just, lo- we just doomed the world. Way to go, Mary. It's, like, it's your fault. They're maybe going back and forth, but they're anxious, and they're nervous about their kid because they care. So check this out. Uh, we'll learn what happens here in verse Uh, 46, it says, after three days they found him in the temple courts, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. Everyone who heard him was amazed and at his understanding and his answers. So pause there for a second. So they finally, after three days, wander into the temple. And when they get there, they see Jesus just chilling. Just chilling. And all the other, like, you know, officials and all the other, like, religious bigwigs and the teachers of the law 
are there, and they're literally saying, uh, they're asking him questions, and he's answering them. Oh, yeah, uh, so about the Bible. And he's literally teaching them and learning from them. I mean, uh, imagine, you know, it'd be like one of you guys coming to our pastor's meetings, and we're like, how do you know all this stuff about the Bible? Like, what? that's crazy. But also think about this, okay? Um, <laughs> it probably was easier for Jesus because... You know, he kind of wrote the Bible. So he'd probably be like, yeah, I know all the answers to the Bible. Like, I wrote it. I mean, it's kind of no big deal, but I wrote the Bible. And it's like, how do you know so much about God? Well, he's my dad. You know, like, we're really tight. So I, I like, been with him forever. So that's why I know so much about God. But he, he didn't say that at the time yet. But, but they're amazed at his religious understanding of who God is and at what he knows about the Bible. So Mary and Joseph find him. And like most parents who have lost their kid, they grab him, they go, where have you been? I had been worried, sick about you. And so we read this here. It says in verse 48, when his parents saw him, they were astonished. And his mother said to him, son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been so anxious searching for you. She's like, well, where have you been? What's been going on? We couldn't find you anywhere. And I love Jesus's answer here. Now, this is not him backsassing his parents. This isn't him being rude. He's just genuinely answering the question his mom asked him. And he says, why are you searching for me, he asked. Didn't you know that I have been in my father's house? Basically, he's saying, hey, so I'm God. Why wouldn't you look for God at church? Like, I feel like that's the first place you should look if you're looking for God. Like, go to church. He's probably there, right? So they uh, get to this point where they find Jesus, and he's like, Hey, I'm at my dad's house. Like, I'm at church. Duh. Like, that's where God would be. And so, an interesting verse happens after this, though. You'd think that Jesus, growing up with parents that aren't perfect and he's perfect, that he'd kind of be rolling his eyes at his parents, or maybe he kind of backtalked them a little bit, but that's not actually what takes place. Read here what it says next. It says in verse 51, Then he went down to Nazareth with them, And he was obedient to them. But his mother treasured all these things in his heart. And Jesus grew in wisdom, in stature, and in favor with God and man. So Jesus goes home and it says that he's respectful to his parents. It says he's obedient to them. It's a good example for us that we should be respectful and obedient to our parents. Even at times, let me tell you something, guys. Your parents are not perfect. They're not. Just like you're not perfect. But whether they're perfect or not, or right or not, we need to have times where we still always respect them and are obedient to them, as long as they're directing us towards the Lord. Anyway, moving on. Um, I love that last verse, though, where it goes, and Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and with men. Jesus grew in what he knew. He, he, he allowed himself as God to be humbled to where Jesus actually learned He knows all things, obviously, now and did before he came to earth. But he purposefully humbled himself so that he could learn what it was like to grow and to learn and to understand and to mature. He grew in stature, meaning he got older. I mean, I look at some of you guys, and I I don't understand how you people grow so quickly. Like, I look at one of you girls once, and I'm like, oh, hey, how you doing? Hey, how you, what? Like, how did that happen? Like, what in the world? I mean, you're literally getting taller every time I see you. Or not even taller, like, you're just, like, getting, like, some of you guys, it's not fair, okay? Because some of you have better facial hair than I do, okay? I'm 25 years old, and you have better facial hair than me. It's not fair. But, but maybe Jesus, as he was growing, you know, one day he's like, whoa, 
Got a little, little mustache going on here. All right, you know. And maybe the beard's coming in slowly. He's getting older, like, well, I'm getting taller. This is kind of nice. And so he learned what it was to grow physically. But he also says he grew in his stature or favor with other people. I mean, he grew in his relationship with God and he grew in his relationships with other people. He got closer to other people and he got closer to God. What I want you guys to see is Jesus lived a life very similar to the life that you and I have lived. Jesus gets us. Everybody say it with me. Jesus gets us. One more time. Jesus gets us. You know when somebody just gets you? Let me give you an example. Maybe you're uh, on a family vacation and you guys are all packed into a small hotel room. And it's a real small room and you know you're there with your brothers and sisters and mom and dad. And you guys are sleeping and it's 2 a.m. and you can't sleep. And the reason is because a family of bears has invaded your father's stomach and is snoring so loudly that you cannot hear yourself think. You're like, huh, I wonder what I'm... I mean, the snoring is just rupturing from your father's sternum, just really boldly coming forth. And you're like, my dad has the highest voice in the world. How is that thing echoing from his... Like, I'm a little afraid of what's living in his stomach and making that noise, okay? Scary. And so you just have this moment. It's 2 a.m. You're miserable. You're tired. You look over at your sister, and your sister looks at you and just goes... Like, I get it. Like, I can't sleep either. And you just have this moment where she's like, I get you. You know what I'm saying? Like, I get you. I know what you're going through, okay? I hear the bears snarling too in my ear, okay? I get what's going on. I relate with you. Maybe you're at practice. You're at lacrosse practice. And your coach is just not in a good mood today, okay? Maybe he's a Cowboys fan and they lost again. Maybe he's just in a bad mood, okay? He stubbed his toe on the way into work. Okay, just in a bad mood, he's like, we're running sprints today. And he's blowing the whistle, and you're running down there, and you're running back, and you're running down there, and you're running back, and you're running down there, and you're running back. And you're getting tired and tired and tired, and you're, you're just hands on your knees, you're exhausted, and you look over to the person next to you, and they're like, I get you, bro. I actually move more like this. I get you, bro. Like, I get it. I am tired. I am thirsty. I'm exhausted, okay? This guy has an anger issue here. I'm, I'm just beat down. I need some water. I need a lazy boy and a pool. I am exhausted with you. It feels like I'm about to cough and my heart is going to fall on the ground and still be beating really quickly. Like, I, I am exhausted. I get you, bro. Okay, I, I get you. Or maybe you're on the school bus, and it's like the first day of school, and you're going home, and you're complaining about that math teacher. You're like, man, I had this teacher named Miss Blakeney, and she is the worst. I mean, she is terrible. She, she, like, she smells like nasty old, like, nuts that have been locked in a room for a long time, and they just, they smell terrible. Like, macadamia, just, ugh, maca, no. I mean, it just smells terrible. And, like, she gives homework every night. It's the first night of school. And she doesn't hand you a syllabus. She hands you a syllabus and a packet. Who gives a packet on the first day of school? Am I right? I mean, I'm preaching up here, let me tell you. I mean, so you're just complaining. And the guy behind you goes, hey, did you say Miss Blakeney? And you're like, yeah, I have her. And he's like, bro, I had Miss Blakeney last year. I mean, I, I know what you're going through. 
And he's like, wait, does she still smell like macadamia nuts? And he's like, yes. Like I get. And he's like, bro, I get you, okay? I get you. Or maybe you're, you're, you're just really trying, you're trying to work on curling your hair, ladies. You're trying to curl that hair, okay? And guys, I didn't know this until I was probably in high school, but there's a thing called a curling iron. It's terrifying, okay? It's got a clamp on it. It's hot. It burns people, okay? And you curl your hair in it and clamp it down. And it singes. It's scary, okay? Anyway, moving on. Ladies, you're, you're curling your hair, and you're just not paying attention, and it rests on your forehead. And it burns you right there. And you're like, ah! And you go into school the next day, and, and a girl's like, did you burn yourself curling your... Yeah, I did. And she's like, actually, whoosh, I get you. Okay, I got you, okay? I know what you're going... I relate with you. I burned myself too. Actually, just yesterday. There's that moment where I get you. I know what you're going through. Because here's, here's the beautiful thing, okay? Jesus gets you. Sometimes you can be praying and you're going through a hard time. Hey, guys. Sometimes you can be praying and you're having a hard time. And you're thinking to yourself, man, does, does God get what I'm going through? Maybe you're going to school. And like, man, school is hard, okay? Making friends is not easy. This is, this is a challenging environment for me. Or, or maybe you're dealing with people who are making fun of you and mocking you. And you're like, man, bullies are, are not a, an enjoyable process here. These people are mocking me. Or, or maybe you're going into the lunchroom and you can literally hear people gossiping about you. Or, or, or you have a friend who betrays you. And you're saying to yourself, God, do you get what I'm going through? I'm being betrayed right now. My best friend is walking away from me in my time of need. God, I am lonely. Maybe you hurt yourself, like you hurt your shoulder. You dislocated, and you're like, God, I'm crying out to you. Do you get what's going on? I'm in pain right now. Maybe it's not physical pain. Maybe it's just emotional pain. God, my parents are fighting, and it's hard, and I'm afraid. God, do you get what's going on with me right now? Do you understand what I'm going through? Do you know what life is like down here? Because you're up there in heaven, on your throne. Life's good. Angels are around you. And I'm down here, and it's hard. And this isn't easy, and this is challenging, and there's pain, and there's misery. And I, I feel like I'm alone. God, do you even care? You ask that question, and you feel that way. God, do you... Do you understand? And guys, here's the beautiful part. Jesus looks back at you and he says, son, daughter, I get you. I know what it's like. When you fall down after taking your first steps, Jesus is like, I remember that. I went through that. When you have to endure uh, your little brother, you know, kicking the back of your seat uh, at the dinner table, God's, Jesus is like, I remember that. James was a handful. That guy was irritating. He would not stop snoring, I'm telling you. I mean, he, he gets that. When you say, man, I, I, I just feel like I, I'm alone. I don't know anybody where I live. Jesus remembers what it's like to be alone. There were times in his life when he was alone. I was saying, well, he doesn't understand. I was gossiped about, and people were slandering my name and speaking ill of me, and it wasn't true. And Jesus is like, actually... I get where you're coming from. There were times in my life when people lied about me, when people gossiped about me. I know what it's like to have my name slandered. Jesus is looking at you and he goes, I know what it's like to be betrayed by a best friend. I had a friend named Judas who betrayed me. 
I know what it's like to feel alone in your time of need because when my life was on the line, my 12 best friends ran away from me and left me to die alone. I know what it's like to be abandoned. I know what it's like to feel pain. You dislocated your shoulder. I, I was beaten and my back whipped and nails were put into my hands. I know what it's like to feel physical pain. So when you cry out to me, I know what that pain feels like. We think, looking at records, Joseph isn't mentioned after this story. And we think, based on a couple things throughout the Bible, that Joseph most likely died. Jesus knew what it was like to lose someone close to him. We see Jesus actually weep in one passage when one of his good friends, Lazarus, dies. And Jesus cries because he knows what it's like to feel the pain and the hurt when someone you love, someone you're close to, is taken away. He knows what that pain's like. So when you cry out, God, I'm missing this person, he goes, I know what that's like. I get you. I know what you're going through. And some reason, for some reason, when somebody gets you, you feel better. You feel better. Like, you know what? I'm not the only person in the world that's gone through this. Somebody else has gone through it before me and they came out on the other side. Somebody else understands the pain that I feel. And, and it's even better when somebody doesn't just get you, but somebody cares about you. Sometimes we think our problems are too small for God to care about. But God loves you. It doesn't matter what problem you have. He's God and he loves you. And he wants to help you. If you're a kid and you stub your toe, your mom is going to be concerned about you. Is it a big deal that you stub your toe? No, you're going to be okay, all right? It doesn't matter. You're going to cry a little bit. You'll be like, meh. And your mom will be like, it's okay. And she'll rock you to sleep. And you'll be like, thanks, mom. And she's like, you're 15. I should stop doing this. You know what I mean? But eventually, you know, your mom cares about your pain. Why does she care? Because she cares about you. And it doesn't matter if your arm fell off and you're bleeding because it just chopped off. Or it doesn't matter if you just have a little toe that's stubbed. She cares about you, so she cares about whatever problem you're dealing with. God's not in heaven saying, you know what, uh, I don't care, uh, you know, that you're going through school and it's hard, people are making fun of you. You know, it's just not a big deal. I have other things to worry about. No, he goes, no, I love you. You matter to me. I care about you. Not only do I relate with you, but I care for you, and that matters to me. Let, let me help you. Let me, let me walk you through this. Let me comfort you. Let me be beside you as you walk through this hardship. He cares. He cares. God doesn't just get you. He also cares for you. He doesn't just get you. He cares for you. Whatever your problem is, he wants to be involved. It matters to him because you matter to him. You matter to him. I, I never want us to think for a moment one that God doesn't understand because he does. He lived the same life that you lived. He walked through those awkward middle school years just like you did. He walked to school like you did. He had parents that he had to obey with, obey that weren't perfect just like you do. 
He felt pain when his friends were gone away just like you do. He, he was gossiped about just like you are. He felt physical pain just like you do. He, he gets you. So don't think for a second he doesn't understand what you're going through. He gets it. But also, please don't think for a second that he doesn't care. That he isn't involved in your problems. That he isn't aware of what you're going through. That he isn't concerned for you. And then if you cry out to him and you pray to him, he will hear you. Jesus lived a life just like us. But also very different, that he was perfect. And he lived that life just like us so he can relate with us. And as our Heavenly Father looked down on us and said, I see you, you matter to me, I understand what you're going through, and I'm here. Just call me. And if you call in the name of the Lord, he will be there to hear you and to comfort you. Know that you have a God that gets you, and know that you have a God that loves you. Everybody say, God gets me. God gets me. Everybody say, God loves me. Everybody say, God gets me. Everybody say, God loves me. Let's say it one more time, and let's make the high schoolers freak out, and let's, like, interrupt their sermon, okay? So here we go. Uh, first, we're going to say, God loves me. Then I'm going to point you again, and you say, God gets me. All right, ready? Well, no, I was going to say God gets me first, and then God loves me. So it's okay. We're going to get this, okay? I believe in you. I still love you. All right, here we go. So God gets me first, and then I'm going to point to you again, and you say God loves me. So. God gets me. God loves me. Perfect. I hope it interrupted the sermon. All right, let's clap. Let's pray to end our service. Father God. You are a God who gets us. You relate with us. You, you care about us. And we rejoice in that. That you've walked through this life as a toddler, as an infant, Lord, as a teenager, and as a young man. And you, you understand the problems that we deal with because you live them. You didn't have to, but you chose to do that so that you could relate with us and understand with us and and sympathize with us and feel for us. And God, we, we rejoice that we have a mighty God and creator who humbled himself to live a life like us. A king who became a peasant to understand the lives that we live. We thank you so much that you care for us, that, that we matter to you, that our problems are important to you. Thank you, God. Pray that you be with us Continue to walk with us each day. So in your name we pray, amen.